What's up? What's up? This is Zach Boschman checking in. You're listening to the Citizen Truth Podcast. We are honored today to have Ahmed Alnok on the podcast. Ahmed, let's get right into it. Um, so you're from Gaza. Um, please uh, just let our, our listeners know um, who, who don't know about Gaza. What was life like growing up there? Life growing up in Gaza is uh, is very difficult. It's it's very very difficult. Um, I grew. Uh, I was born in 1994 in Gaza, and uh, in this exact year, the peace accords between Israel and the, the Palestinian Authority took place. But and we were supposed to have peace, but we never saw peace. When I was six years old only, um, the the second Intifada started. And imagine you are only just six years old, a child. And the only thing that I remember from that time is just funerals, dead people, martyrs, Israeli warplanes attacking the Palestinians, tanks invading our cities and shooting at the at people the, the, the same age as me. I have seen more dead bodies than I can count in my life. I lost my brother in one of the wars. And then only five years after the second intifada, Israel imposed a siege, a blockade on Gaza. This blockade prevented the entry of goods and people from in and outside of Gaza. Life, when, 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 the, when the blockade started in Gaza, life ended. The UN said that by 2020, Gaza will be unlivable. And then the year 2020 came. During the past 15 years, we experienced four major wars and many escalations between Israel and the Palestinians. And of course, Israel say that this is these are escalations against Hamas, but that is not true. I have lived in Gaza. I have seen uh, the wars. All of these who are, who are targeted by Israel are civilians, civilian houses, children. Right now, in, in the past uh, six days, Israel killed 215 Palestinians. 61 of them were children and 30 women. All uh, the residential, all the residential places in Gaza are now being targeted by, by Israel. Israel destroyed five of the largest residential uh, towers in Gaza. The, these residential towers hosted international and local media outlets. They were they were all targets. When I was in Gaza and when 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 the siege started in Gaza 15 years ago, we returned back to centuries before backwards because Israel. Uh, located the entry of even gas and fuel to Gaza, so we could not run our cars. We didn't. We could not have gas at our home to, to cook, cook our food. And whenever a war ends, another one starts, and more civilians and more people are are are, are killed. And the last war in Gaza in 2014, Israel killed more than 2,200 Palestinians. 700 of them were children and another 500 were, were, were women. People are being bombed while they are inside their homes. Israel is bombing residential buildings on top of its inhabitants without giving them, without giving them uh, any warning or, uh, or, or, or a threat. Every day when I wake up from the, uh, in the morning, I would ask my friends about life in Gaza. And the only thing that everyone agrees on, everyone that says, everyone I talk to says that, they are just surprised that they survived these attacks because Israel is bombing Gaza during the night. And do you know what, what, why they 
uh, bomb Gaza during the night because no. they want to because they want to inflict more terror on the Palestinian people. They want the Palestinian people, the civilians, to be terrified more and more. This is not a war against Hamas or any Palestinian resistance factions. It's a war against the Palestinian people. It's a war of intimidation. It is meant to displace the Palestinians and make them leave their homes and lands. And it is not ending. It will not end until Israel stops its racist policies against the Palestinians. And it's not only this is not only happening in Gaza, by the way. It happens in the West Bank and in Jerusalem. Uh, the, the Israeli racist government uh, has uh, has been uh, displacing the Palestinians from Jerusalem and building more settlements in the West Bank. So this is not a war against any political movement. It's a war against the Palestinian people who are living just peacefully in their land. They want them to just go away, leave this country. Every day they're taking more land in the West Bank. They're evicting more, uh, ethnically cleansing more, more Palestinians in, in Jerusalem. And they're waging wars upon wars on the Gaza Strip in order to intimidate the Palestinians and make them just leave this country. Wow. So uh, you you went to school there in, in Gaza, right? And, um, and I guess shortly after that, you became a, a writer? Yes. I read some of your writing. It it, it truly is beautiful. Um, what was what was that process like to uh, you know be living in this environment um, and and then to start writing about it? How did you get started? Well, uh, I I just want to be honest with you. I never wanted to be a writer in my childhood. Whenever I was asked, "What do you want to be in the future?" I would say, "I want to be a doctor." But then life in Gaza sometimes necessitates that you change your, that you do not follow up your dreams. When I was in Gaza, I've, I've seen many wars, many invasions in Gaza. I've seen more the peoples that I could, I could count. I've seen more demolished houses that I could, I could count. And this life, this, this course of events that happened throughout my life necessitates that I should do something about it. And the process of me being a writer uh, started after the last war in Gaza, not the last, like the war in 2014, when I lost my brother and many of my friends. And then one of my, my American friends asked me to write his story. And then I never believed in the power of writing. I never believed that writing could help, could help me uh, release my stress. But then just out of respect for her, I decided to write the story of my brother and how I felt after losing my brother. And then surprisingly, this story went viral. And then we came up with, with the idea of creating a platform for Palestinians to write their stories. And we called it, We Are Not Numbers. Because in We Are Not Numbers, we did not want only to shed light on the, on the numbers of the news, the people who are getting killed or wounded or the houses demolished. We want to tell the human stories behind these numbers that the media always talk about. We, the Palestinians, are more than numbers. We are human beings and we deserve to live in peace and dignity. And we shouldn't, we, we don't deserve to, to be only numbers in the news. Whenever there is an escalation in Gaza or a war, the, 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 the media will only talk about the numbers of the Palestinians. And we are way more than numbers, including the numbers only dehumanizes the Palestinians. And we do not want to be dehumanized. We want to share our real image our real stories to the world. And that's how became, I became a writer because 
because it, it necessitates that I, I become a writer. Because sometimes when you are a Palestinian, if you if you know English or if you are talented in writing, and you see, uh, and you're surrounded by surrounded by events that are all of terror and human rights violations, you have to act about it. And the way I acted is that I just wanted to write and write about what's happening, write about my 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 life, write about other people who are suffering by the Israeli occupation. And that's how I became a writer. And, and that's how many, many of the Palestinian journalists and writers became writers or journalists because they could not be silenced after what they have seen. I know many of my friends who are actually doctors, who are pharmacists, who are dentists, and they, and they are writing. They are writing not because they fancy writing or they, that they like writing, just because they have to write during this time, during this time of uh, dehumanizing of the Palestinians uh, from the, the international media outlets. We have seen lots of bias in the media and we should act about it. So it's, it's a matter of ethical responsibility rather than pursuing a passion or a talent uh, for us. This is what writings means to us. You wrote a beautiful tribute to your mother, um, could you speak a little bit to what that process was like for your mother having cancer in Gaza? You know, uh, how was how was it getting treatment? And it, just explain explain that to the people a little bit, if you don't mind. Yes, this is another story that we, the Palestinians, suffer from. If, if Israel does not kill us quickly by bombing and by shelling, Israel kills us through other means. And my mother was one of these uh, one of these people who were killed slowly. My mother was diagnosed of cancer, and after she was diagnosed of cancer, we tried to get her a medical transfer to any city uh, outside Gaza because in Gaza we have lots of uh, of medical uh, uh, shortages. We do not have all the equipment that we need for, 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 the, for the hospitals. And Israel is blockading the, 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 the hospital and the medical treatment of the Palestinians. We have seen hundreds of Palestinians being killed in a way that they needed medical transfers and Israel did not allow them to, to travel to the West Bank or to Jerusalem or anywhere outside Gaza. And my mother, when she was diagnosed of cancer, we tried so hard to get her a transfer to the uh, to to a, to, a, to a hospital in Jerusalem, the Palestinian hospital in Jerusalem, and Israel always like delayed and delayed and delayed her transfer until her until her uh, cancer got 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 worse, and then she died. She died because she did not have the medical treatment that she needed. The first day that she got her transfer, uh, the referral uh, to to Jerusalem, I talked to the doctor there, and he told me, "Now it's too late." You, he said, like literally this word, he said, you should have sent her way before that. He said, now it's, it's her, her situation is very difficult and we can't treat her. And I waited for my mother every day to hear about her, her death just because she did not receive the medical treatment that, that she deserved and that she wanted. And for doing what? My mother was a, a patient of cancer who's 60 years old. She did not hurt Israel. She did not deserve to be denied from her right of medical treatment. Wow. I'm and sorry. then after that, sorry, after that, I was in the UK and my mother died in Gaza. And I knew that she was going to die a few days before she died. 
and I couldn't go and meet my mother in Gaza because of the blockade, because Israel did not allow me to, to get a, a permit to enter Gaza. So if you are a Gazan, you are trapped in Gaza. And if you are outside Gaza, you are also trapped outside of Gaza. You can't, when you lose someone, you can't go back to say goodbye to your mother. So what was what was the process like for you uh, getting out of Gaza? Was that difficult? What was extremely difficult. It was, <laughs> my story was a public opinion story. It uh, it was very, very difficult for me to get side out of Gaza. And, you know, the, the way I traveled from Gaza is that because I won a, a scholarship from the British government uh, to study my master's in journalism in the UK. And I was the latest person to arrive to university. The deadline for, for joining the course was the 14th of May. And in the 14th of May, I was still in Gaza waiting for a permit from the Israeli side to allow me to travel. And they did not give me a permit for doing nothing just because I'm maybe I'm a journalist or maybe because I'm, I'm a writer. They did not give me a permit. And I was waiting and I almost I almost lost my, my scholarship and I almost lost my course at the university because I came very late. I came two months after the start of my course. All of that because I'm a Palestinian who lives in Gaza. All of that because I'm uh, a person who was born on the other side of the fence. If I was born on the other side of the fence, inside Israel border, I would have given an Israeli passport, I would have enjoyed all the, the human rights that everyone enjoys in the life, in, in life. But it's only because I was born on the side from the Gaza side fence, I was deprived of all deprived of all of my rights. My right of of having of having a state, we are stateless, you know, uh, the, the the right of uh, movement, the right of receiving medical treatment. Right of uh, of having electricity, even electricity we don't have in Gaza. The right of having decent jobs or education. We are deprived of all of our rights, and on top of that, Israel keeps launching wars and wars on Gaza and kill us quickly, not not slowly. How do you feel about the the coverage of this current siege? Um, do you, do you feel are you hopeful um, right now or um, where where do you uh, uh, stand I guess I you mean the siege or the war the the current war um, right now you see like people around the globe uh, standing in solidarity um, do you, do you have hope for the war coming to an end and you know the Palestinians living living a life of dignity? Well, I would say hope is a dangerous thing. It's very dangerous to have high hopes and expectations because the Palestinian people have been suffering for seventy three years old eight years ago, uh, years now, and every time when there is a war or a massacre against against the Palestinian people, we would think that yes, now it's uh, the, the world would wake up. The world would know the real face of Israel every time. Uh, every time something terrible happens to the Palestinians, we would have hope that others would look at us and see the truth. But eventually, no one cares. But this time, I'm I'm surprised with the amount of solidarity that we have seen uh, across the globe. Now more people and more people are uh, standing in solidarity with the Palestinian people, and they're going 
and protests all around the world. I live in London now, and I have seen tens of thousands of Palestinians demonstrating every day in central London. And in Glasgow and in every city in the UK, for example, and I've seen videos of people protesting all uh, across Europe and, and the US. And this is unprecedented. The kind of uh, solidarity that we are seeing uh, across the globe is unprecedented. And it's very hopeful for me. Um, and all of this, not because of, uh, of uh, the governments or of the state media. It's because the Palestinians and the supporters of Palestine are talking about what's going on on social media. And this is something very important for us. So yes, I'm hopeful now, I have hope, but it's also, I'm, I'm also uh, scared of this hope because of this war ends and the same situation continued in Palestine. It would be very, very shocking for us all Palestinians. Now we have hope that uh, the, the world would keep protesting that governments, that the international community would stand up for the Palestinians. But if they don't, it would be a problem because we will then lose hope in any in anything. And that's why it's dangerous. Mm -hmm. So uh, I just have one last question. What is the best way for for people around the world to to stand in solidarity with the Palestinians? Um, are you a fan of the BDS movement, for example, um, or are there some other ways that that we can really stand in solidarity with the Palestinians? Well, there are many ways in which you can stand in solidarity with the Palestinians, and of course, I I do support the BDS because uh, the BDS is a peaceful way in which we can say to Israel that enough is enough. Stop violating the Palestinians' rights. We are not buying the Israeli products because we stand in solidarity with those whose rights are violated. We can ask the every supporters of Palestine across the globe to write to, to their uh, MPs and encourage them to take a stance against the, the Israeli violations. We are not calling for hurting uh, the Israelis at all. We just want them to stop their violations against us. We want the, the, the supporters of Palestine to keep on protesting, to keep on protesting peacefully in all the cities around the globe to show their solidarity with the Palestinians because this means to us, this means a lot to us as Palestinians when we see protest, protests around the globe and solidarity with Palestine. We feel that we are not left alone. We, we feel that we are heard, that our suffering matters to other people, that our life matters to other people. We want them to keep sharing our stories and talking about, uh, about our life to their friends, to their family, to their neighbors. The Palestinian people deserve a better life and they deserve their stories to be heard. So I think there are many ways in which we can uh, support the Palestinians in a very, very peaceful manner. Uh, uh, and I think the BDS and protesting and calling the, the MPs from your country would, would make... Uh, would make a great help to the Palestinian and would be very uh, effect, uh, effective. How can people uh, read your writing and, and connect with you? How can they read my writing and connect with me? Yeah, yeah. Uh, like you have a, a site or, or something? Yes, and we are not numbers. We have a website and we have a Facebook page and we, we publish our stories uh, and we try to reach out to, to everyone. So... Uh, if, if you are willing to write or to read about Palestine, there are numerous 
websites that document the Palestinians' life. There is many uh, media outlets that uh, are not biased to Israel and that are publishing the human stories behind the numbers, that publishing the truth about Palestine. So if anyone is interested to know more about Palestine, there are... You can you can go to the human rights organization. You can go to Euromed Monitor and and read about the violations that Israel is committing about the Palestinians. You can go to the Human Rights Watch and, and Amnesty. Human Rights Watch three weeks ago uh, issued a, a a report, a long report, accusing Israel of being an apartheid state and uh, accused Israel of committing the crimes of apartheid and persecution against the Palestinian people. There are many ways and many means that you can educate yourself about what's going on in Palestine. We just need more care and more passion from, from, uh, from people uh, across the globe uh, with Palestine. If, you, if people are really interested in knowing what's going on in Palestine, there are many, many means and ways in which you can reach the truth. And the truth is very simple. Children should not be killed. Collective punishment is wrong. Apartheid is wrong. These are the principles that all humankind agree on. And it's all violated when it comes to Israel and Palestine. There is an apartheid in Israel and Palestine. The Israeli government is an apartheid state. That's agreed on by, by the, the leading human rights organization in Israel and by Human Rights Watch and by Amnesty and by ESQUA, the report that was later deleted from, from the website. The Palestinian people in Gaza are being collectively punished and this is wrong collective punishment shouldn't be wrong it shouldn't be uh, shouldn't be practiced against the Palestinian people all of these principles that all humankind agrees on are violated uh, when it comes to, to to the Palestinians so the truth is very, is very simple and it's very easy to reach we just not, we just need people to care more about it and to read more about it and to educate themselves more about it if they do, they will know the truth and they will stand in solidarity with Palestine. Ahmed, thank you so much for meeting with me. I really appreciate what you're doing. Um, and uh, let's keep in touch. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Zach Boschman here, co-owner of CitizenTruth.org. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of the Citizen Truth podcast. The intro and outro song is Enthusiast by Tours and is provided via the Creative Commons license. Please subscribe and check us out at CitizenTruth.org.